You're listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. Sometimes the world of sports are all about winners and losers. It's all about the action on the field, the score of the game. But sometimes they're about tough conversations, difficult conversations, trying to figure out what's happening and why. And the real question becomes, what are we looking for? Information or resolution? And today... In multiple sports, that's been the challenge we're all trying to figure out. It's Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Jason Fitz flying solo tonight, presented by Progressive Insurance. Want to give a huge shout-out to the great guys and girls at ESPN LA uh, for letting me use their studio tonight. I will be flying solo, and we start with some straight talk, brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. We've got a lot to get into tonight, and a lot of it's deep, a lot of it's heavy. And the real question that sort of ties all of it together is, What are we looking for? It starts with Deshaun Watson. Now, according to Tony Busby, the lawyer, uh, uh, the attorney for Deshaun Watson, 20 of 24 lawsuits. uh, Sorry, he represents the women who have accused Watson of sexual assault. uh, uh, 20 of 24 lawsuits that have been filed against Deshaun Watson have been settled. All right. So uh, the quote, we are working through the paperwork related to those settlements. Once we've done so, those particular cases will be dismissed. The terms and amounts of the settlements are confidential. And it raises a real question because you can look at a settlement situation like this and say, okay, for several people, their lives just got a lot easier. For Deshaun Watson, obviously, his path to getting on the field takes a, a, a very important step that helps him, right? For the NFL, you can look at it and say, at some point, We need resolution so that we can start to figure out what punishment we can actually give the world. We need to know what's going to go out to the world and information so that we know what we're dealing with. You can look at all of these different layers and say, okay, for the women involved, if you've got 20 different people that currently were in civil lawsuits seeking money and they now get settlements, you could argue that that's a tremendous opportunity for them to get money and not have to go through the arduous process, the often embarrassing process, the incredibly difficult process of public trials, right? You could look at all of this and say there are winners across the board, but there are losers. And one of those losers would be anyone seeking information, truth, real depth. If that's what you were looking for here, you lost today. Because ultimately there are still four lawsuits remaining. And that have not been settled. We don't know if they will be settled. But once you have a settlement, it puts a bow on everything and the information stops. That's the part of this that I think will make everything difficult. You know, if you look back over the course of the last couple of years as we've dealt with COVID, and I've had so many people in in my life on both sides of this, you know, I've had people yelling at me that it's a huge deal and people yelling at me that it's not a big deal and you have everybody in between. And I, I found myself oftentimes saying, you know what? When it's a big deal, it's the biggest deal ever. And for a lot of people, if it isn't, then you're never going to understand it. But part of what we want as a society is information that we can process that's very definitive, that never changes, that gives absolutes. Absolutes are what we look for so often when famous people are accused of doing things. It becomes a he said, she said, where benefit of the doubt is the real key to every argument. Who are you giving it to and who are you not? Well, the more information you get, the more truth you get, the more undeniable testimony you get, the more opportunity do you get to hear every ounce of every person's story, the more you can make educated opinions on where that benefit of the doubt belongs. But now, in a process of a settlement, you don't get that. And it becomes the uneasy situation where you're going to have to figure out 
what's real and what's not real to you in your mind based on the information you have without having all the information at hand. Again, we don't know what the settlements were for. We don't know the process of settlement. I'll talk to somebody in just a few minutes in Cleveland that can give us an idea of if they were surprised by the settlement timing. But what we do know right now is that for Deshaun Watson, he can say, hey, this is settled and behind us. Frankly, for 20 of the 24 uh, women that have filed lawsuits, they can say, hey, it's settled. I just want to move on with my life. For the NFL, they can turn around and say, you know what? This is settled, and now, now with the information we have here, we can make a decision of what that punishment looks like. But if you're seeking the truth, if you're seeking absolute information, you got to accept that today you have to realize you're not going to get it. It's also got to be difficult at this point for the four remaining lawsuits. There were such a power in numbers. When you have 20 of 24 settling, now you have four remaining. And the question becomes, will they continue to remain outstanding? Will they continue their process of a lawsuit? Will they get the same benefit of the doubt to say the same thing we just said? Will they get the same collective benefit of the doubt with only four people remaining that they would have with 24? The yeah buts get a real opportunity to say, yeah, but it's just these four. Much tougher to say with 24. When you look across the board, the most uncomfortable part about Deshaun Watson and the most uncomfortable part that Browns fans, the Browns organization and the NFL has to realize is that for the rest of Deshaun Watson's career, there will be a yeah, but. And that yeah, but is going to come from however you want to process the information we got right now. What we know is that Deshaun Watson has been handed the richest guaranteed contract we've ever seen. What we don't know is how much of that very, very rich contract is now going to go towards making these lawsuits go away in some sort of an effort that will let him get back on the field. What we'll never know to its fullest is where everybody stands on their side of the story. And what we'll have to wait for is an indication of what the NFL is going to do with all of this. Now the NFL can act. And when they act, they can simply say, hey, this was resolved. And it was put behind us. There's a very uncomfortable reality that sets in today. That Deshaun Watson, as we all knew, is going to be on the football field. And every single fan is going to have to figure out what to do with that. The question is, what did you want? Because if you really wanted information, that went away. If you just wanted to watch Deshaun Watson play football, today you took a big step forward towards that. How you negotiate that, how you feel about that, that's for you to figure out. But the, the reality of the situation for Deshaun Watson is going to be fans now can simply put a bow on that, button it up, and say that's part of the past, and we're moving forward. That ability to do that is something that's staggering to me that we're saying it today. I really didn't think we would get these settlements. But now, fans everywhere are going to have to ask themselves, what they want. This isn't the only instance of about, by the way, with some straight talk, straight talk, wireless, no contract, no compromise on Spain and Fitz. This isn't the only instance of what do you want and why do you want it? As we're going to get into this a lot today, not just with Deshaun, but also with Live Golf. I think there are real questions we all need to look in the mirror and say, what are we looking for? And I'm not sure all of us with the microphone are really remembering what fans are looking for. We'll get into that over the course of the next couple of, a couple of hours. In the meantime, we'll get some expertise from Cleveland. Cleveland next and an all-time NFL great is retiring 
again. The question is, will it actually stick this time? We'll tell you about it. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. I'm Jason Fitz. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. We'll get back to Cleveland in just a minute with an expert that knows that area well as we continue to break down the news today from Deshaun Watson. But there is some breaking news in the NFL, and it comes in the form of a retirement from Tampa Bay. No, don't rejoice yet. No, it's not Brady yet again. Rob Gronkowski, though, is retiring from the NFL for the second time, at least for now. He's calling it a career. Uh, He announced his retirement Tuesday via social media, which uh, gets a little interesting because Drew Rosenhaus, the agent, sort of alluded to, well, you know, maybe he would take a call later in the season if Brady needs him. I think this becomes one of those moments where Gronk's constantly on retirement watch. And it leads to the question of how surprised the actual Buccaneers were. Jeremy Fowler, ESPN senior NFL reporter, was on this just in, and this is what he said about that. You know, I just checked in uh, with somebody in Tampa Bay, which was largely expecting him to uh, to come back, or they were at least hopeful over recent weeks. And I was told that, hey, you know, we, we always respected this process, and maybe he was simply having too much fun uh, in retirement, you know, and, and got comfortable and, and has a lot of endeavors off the field. So it sort of came to that. The, the momentum seemed to be swinging maybe the other way. You heard a little hints uh, recently uh, of him wanting to maybe fade out Uh, knowing that his career is intact, he's won championships with Tom Brady, he's done really everything you would want to do in the game, and he's preserved his health for the most part. Yeah, I think we have to remember at some point, too, that what time of year we're looking at. If you're a player, you are starting to get a little ramped up, starting to get a little amped up, understanding what's ahead of you. I was actually hanging out with a couple of football players from University of Alabama last night, talking to them about how they get their bodies ready. And one of the wide receivers I was hanging out with was talking about the grind has already started and he has to change his training now as they're in practices. And it makes such a difference, sort of the regimen and the calendar you live on. So if you're Gronk, you're turning around and you're saying, okay, well, I want to play maybe. And then you start to get to this time of the year and you realize, God, do I really want to go through this grind again? Uh, We have to understand at some point that for football players, they have a choice. And the way they value the business that they do is different than the way we value the game they play, right? We wear a fan hat all the time. Number one comment I got when I got out of the music industry was how many people were like, oh my God, why would you ever leave a dream gig? To which I constantly reminded people, for me, it wasn't a dream gig. For me, it was a business, right? And I was comfortable stepping away from that business. If you're Gronk, you've done everything you could possibly do in the business that you're in. You've won everything that you could possibly win. You've created all the legacy that you could possibly create. And sure, the fact that Tom Brady's coming back, you you could say that maybe it looks enticing. And maybe Gronk comes back and says, well, I want to play with my buddy and try and run it back. Or you could look at it from Gronk's standpoint and say, well, he could also be looking around at the landscape saying, oh, my God. I don't want to have to deal with that. Either way, this is a time to simply respect the greatness of Gronk and understand that if we don't see him on the field again, then boy, what a career. And if we do, I appreciate when we get him, however we get him. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. We're going to get more insight right now from Cleveland. ESPN Browns reporter Jake Trotter joining us on the show. Jake, always appreciate your time. You're doing a great job covering all of this information. You're around the organization every day. Did the timing of the Deshaun Watson news mean anything to you with these settlements? 
Yeah, Jason, I don't know that the timing meant anything to me or the Browns or even the NFL's investigation. I will tell you, you know, just being around minicamp last week, there was no buzz that any settlements were imminent, but it does move this forward, uh, except the four cases that are still pending, only 20 to 24, as you know, uh, were settled. So, yeah, I think the next step now is what is the NFL going to do and when are they going to do it? Um, but as far as Watson's legal situation, it does close the book, at least on the majority of the civil lawsuit he was facing. And to your point, Jake, the NFL's made it clear that this won't impact their investigation. Any sense of what their timing looks like on that investigation? Yeah, everybody, at least I speak to in Cleveland, thinks it's going to be before training camp. Now, this is going to be a lengthy process. It's not going to happen overnight. If the NFL's investigators recommend to Sue Robinson, the independent arbitrators agreed upon between the league and the NFLPA, uh, as soon as they make a recommendation for a punishment, it will take 10 days, at least 10 days as part of the CBA, before Robinson can begin her evaluation you know, who knows how long that would take, and then it would go to Roger Goodell. The NFLPA could appeal. So this is a process that's not going to take a day. It's going to take weeks. And the sooner the NFL begins the process, the more likely it is to be done by training camp. You know, training camp is only a month or so away, so we're not very far uh, from that start. So I would expect the NFL, if they're trying to get this done before training camp, to get the ball rolling with an, a recommendation of a punishment or no recommendation of a punishment at all here in the next week or two. Obviously these settlements start to give some opportunity for closure for some people involved. What's the vibe been like from Brown's fans in and around the city that you can tell? Yeah, there's a portion of Brown's fans that don't care about any of this. They just want to see Deshaun Watson play football. Um, But there's also a, a pretty sizable portion of Browns fans that have been uneasy about this whole situation, conflicted about what to do. Like, you know, can we root for this guy? I've heard a lot of Browns fans say, and then, you know, just outright disgust, Um, you know, people who have canceled season tickets or, you know, are just kind of taking a step back from the Browns until this situation is resolved. So it's been a very, I think, difficult process for a lot of Browns fans because they love their team. You know, this is one of the best fan bases in the country. But then you have a player in Deshaun Watson who's been accused of these things is now the face of that franchise, of that team. I think it's put a lot of Browns fans in a bad spot. Jake, before we let you go real quick, we can't ask you all of these questions and not ask about Baker Mayfield. Do, do, <laughs> in your eyes, does this settlement situation change anything around the way they will be handling Baker Mayfield? No, I think it's a completely different issue. You know, the Browns are still looking to trade Baker Mayfield. Uh, It is status quo on that front. And I think the thing to look for next is if the Browns don't make a Baker Mayfield trade before the start of training camp, unlike with minicamp where they excused him from participating, they can't do that with training camp, which means Baker Mayfield, if he's still on the roster, is going to be in the building uh, when the Browns start training camp, which could create quite an awkward situation And right now, I think it's more likely than not that that's the direction we're headed unless the Browns come up with a trade. And outside the Carolina Panthers, it doesn't seem like there is any real viable trade partner on the horizon. 
Follow him on Twitter to get all the latest on all of it, at Jake underscore Trotter. Jake, you've done a great job on this. Really appreciate your time, my friend. Thank you, Jason. Take care. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. As we continue to break this down, I'm going to be honest with you all. Like This is such a difficult topic to look at in so many ways for me because I understand what both sides are going to say. And I don't have the answer. for like Just because I sit in front of a mic doesn't mean that I have to have every answer. And when you look at the Deshaun situation, I'm never going to victim blame. That's just not part of who I am. And I understand that there are a lot of people that will turn around and say, yeah, but, you know, well, look at Deshaun. Like, he's, he's, there's, there's no concrete proof, blah, blah, blah. I understand what so many are going to say. But when you start talking about settlements for 20 of the 24 lawsuits against Deshaun Watson, only four remaining, God only knows. Maybe those last four get settled. Maybe all of this just goes away. But it certainly, where's the line? How do you give this entire topic the justice it deserves without coming in and presuming anyone's guilt or presuming that anyone is a liar? I don't know. What I know, and I can be damn sure of, is I am so glad today that Deshaun Watson is not the quarterback of my favorite team. Because none of this is easy to process. And even if he did nothing, even if you want to take the argument that he's done nothing other than have at least 66 masseuses over 17 months. Even if that, if you're, if that's all you think that he did, that's still creepy. I'm sorry. That's still weird. I'm sorry. And that's still hard to digest. And I understand, like the fan in me understands what so many of us want. We just want sports. We just want to talk about the game on the field. We just want to talk about the results. We want to watch our favorite team win. I, I get it, Browns fans. I get why you look at it and say, I just want this settled so I can root for Deshaun Watson. But man, none of this is that easy. ESPN Radio is presented by Progressive Insurance. Bundle and protect today under one roof. Learn more at Progressive.com or 1-800-PROGRESSIVE. The NFL should be noted loudly, clearly, has told us these settlements mean nothing to their investigation. How they decide to move forward with punishment will be the next piece of this that we will analyze with a fine-tooth comb and rightfully so. What did they know? When did they know it? How did they know it? What have they figured out? All of this will factor in to more information on Deshaun Watson. And unfortunately, once you start talking about settlements, that may be the only information we actually get on Deshaun. Coming up, is the Live Golf Series really here to stay? There's part of this that I think maybe we're overhyping. I'll tell you why next. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. (laughs) What are we doing? Spain and Fitz on on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app series, XM Channel 80. Jason Fitz flies home. Let's bring a little levity to the show right now. I asked when we were coming into the show, you know, sometimes everybody behind the scenes has their own process on music. I will I will admit that everybody has their own process and a lot of times it becomes particularly young. So I said to Chris tonight I was like, "Hey, um just n- no acts, n- no music made after 1990." That was my only request tonight. Like, let's bring some some age into this thing. And so one of the acts I listed for him was Aretha Franklin. So are, are we are we feel good about this? Like the only Aretha Franklin in the system was a Christmas song and nobody caught that, boys? I like mean, Devin. There was Chris, what are we doing? Two others. This was just hmm. the one that had the most logical start point for me. Fitz, I was born in 95. You asked for anything before 1990. I'm trying. Yeah. How many, I don't know how if many... you've ever heard of Spotify, but you can listen to old music on that. I don't I know do. if you ever knew. I do quite yeah. a bit, but mm-hmm. you asked for Aretha Franklin. Listen, this is an absolute banger, no no doubt, but like, how many Aretha Franklin songs do you have to go through before you get to this one? That's my question. 
uh, a whole library of them. Let me look uh, through the system. I'll tell you how many we had here, but keep going. We have a show to run, I think, too. Yeah, the, 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 we're going to get back to the, the essence of sports now that we've had joy to the world. By the way, um, at Lakeshore Party tweeted as I was talking about Deshaun Watson a little bit ago, saying, uh, will fans get past Deshaun Watson? Yes, two words, dot, 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 Kobe Bryant. And uh, it's a great example. And, you know, one that if, if you watched me on air when, when Kobe passed, uh, I had a really tough time. Uh, it was a very emotional moment for me. Uh, but Kobe also, in fairness, uh, that changed my life as well. A lot of people don't realize this, but I grew up as big a Lakers fan as I am a Raiders fan. When you, when you grew up in Vegas as a kid, L.A. sports were everything. So, like, the Lakers and the Raiders were equally life to me as a kid. Uh, as I got older, that became a massive Kobe Bryant fandom. Uh, everything that happened in Colorado – uh, like that just that that crushed me and uh, after that point I stopped really rooting for individual athletes and started rooting for teams uh, teams only and uh, I, I don't think my love with the Lakers was ever the same after that so I for me personally it did leave a different mark but I think you're right for a lot of people uh, you, you you just sort of process it and you move on because we love sports and it brings us to the other part of this conversation that we're having right now this isn't just a Deshaun Watson conversation on Spain and Fitz, by the way, Jason Fitz flying solo. It's also about the Live Golf Series. And uh, I, I want to be loud here again because I see people all the time, keyboard warriors go to Twitter and they tweet me and they say, well, I noticed you guys haven't been talking about this and that. And the other. Look, I have been clear since day one. With Sarah, I've been clear since day one, hosting by myself, that this is complicated and I have no idea the best way to break it down. I'm just trying to get through this information in a way that I can make sense, right? The Live Golf Series has become so problematic because it's funded by awful people that have done terrible things and we all know that all right but as i as i continue to look across the board at what it means with the live golf series i'm left to wonder if the impact will really be what so many people think that it will be now brooks kepka is the newest name to really go over and make a huge splash as he's now going to be golfing as part of the live uh live events as well let's remember it was just a week ago at the u.s open that uh, he was asked about why he's going to continue to play on the PGA Tour, and he said this. I mean, there's been no other option to this point, so uh, where else are you going to go? Live. I mean, uh, as of last week, that's it. I wasn't playing last week, so I'm here. I'm here at the U.S. Open. I'm ready to play U.S. Open, So, and I think, I think it kind of sucks, too. Y'all are throwing this black cloud over the U.S. Open. Oh, did we, Brooks? Did we throw a black cloud over it? Well, he wasn't done. He kept going on when he said this. I haven't given it that much. I mean, I haven't given it that much thought. Really? I, re- I mean, I was, I don't understand. I'm trying to focus on the U.S. Open, man. Like, I legitimately don't get it. I'm tired of the conversations. I'm tired of all this stuff. Well, hey, he's so tired about it uh, that uh, he reminded us even more when he said this. We're here to play, and you're talking about some event that happened last week. Well, there's events going to be going on now for the next foreseeable future. I know, but you can't drive a car looking in the rearview mirror, can you? Well, apparently he drove that car straight and quick after the U.S. Open because now he's part of Live, right? Like, took no time. You, you, you hadn't given it any thought. You can't look in the rearview mirror. You're focused on the U.S. Open. The minute the U.S. Open finishes, it takes, like, I don't know, eight seconds. Uh, you, you could go to a bull riding contest in the amount of time that it took him to figure out he's going to be part of Live. But it raises a real question because we're all sky is falling, gloom and doom on what live means for golf. And I want you guys to chime in on this. We're going to take your calls in a minute. Triple eight, say ESPN, 888-729-3776. This is a real question, especially for golf fanatics. You going to hunt it down? 
Because Liv doesn't have great TV placement right now. Are you going to hunt down Liv Golf just because it has big names in it? I want your thoughts on it. Triple Eight, say ESPN. We'll take your calls in a minute. 888-729-3776. And I'm going to... I, I ask this because a part of my background. You guys know that I grew up a big fan of 80s wrestling, right? So if you grew up a big fan of 80s wrestling, stick with me. Uh, golfers, don't roll your eyes yet. Stick with me. You grew up a fan of 80s wrestling. You grew up like I did, a fan of Macho Man and Hulk Hogan, right? So if you're my age and you grew up in that era of loving all of those wrestlers, well, in the late 90s, you, you were well aware of the Monday Night Wars. And for everybody that didn't follow wrestling, don't worry. I'll give you the Cliff's Notes version of it here. Ted Turner decided that he wanted to make WCW the biggest wrestling federation in the world. And his approach to doing that in the late 90s was to turn around and hire all of the biggest names in wrestling that I grew up watching. All of the biggest names from the 80s. Some current, but mostly guys that were on the other side of it, but they still had a massive draw. And he went out and he paid them whatever they had to pay. He paid them whatever it took. And then he put his WCW wrestling on Monday nights, Nitro, against Raw for the WWE. He basically said, I'm going to take your legends, and I'm going to take you on, and I'm going to beat you. That was his approach. It worked. For a year or two, WCW dominated. And then WWE had to look around. And they said, okay, well, we lost Hulk. We lost Macho Man. We don't have these big names. Now we're competing against the legends we built. What do we do? And suddenly, what do you know? They made stars out of Triple H, out of John Cena, out of The Rock. They turned around and they said, we'll tell great stories about a bunch of guys that we're going to turn into superstars because, frankly, if you grew up watching the WWF, you will continue to watch the WWF. That was their bet. And they built. And they built. And they built. While, the w, while WCW kept spending more and more and more on old talent. Well, took a couple of years. Eventually, that old talent was old and not really all that interesting. The circus show of it sort of wore off. The first couple of years of watching Hulk suddenly be a bad guy were interesting. And then you realize that none of it was that interesting anymore. And suddenly, before you know it, now WCW folds, gets bought by the WWE, and they own all the rights to all of it. WCW is gone. See, I think we've taken the concept of what Liv is trying to be. And we've suddenly decided that that's going to make for a huge golf alternative without acknowledging any other difficulties that every sport faces. Like when other football leagues have launched, we sit there and say, oh, you got to have a solid TV partner. Got to be able to find you. They've got to know what time your game is on and you can't make them think. I say that all the time with college basketball. You've got to have destination programming that people will flock to. Liv doesn't have that. You've got to have stars. Sure, Liv may be getting some of those, yes. But you've got to make stars. What indication do we have that Liv will be able to do that? There's this sky-is-falling mindset to it. But the last time I checked, I remember being in West Hartford. There's an Italian restaurant there I love called Trevor. I was at Trevor in West Hartford. And it was when Tiger was unexpectedly in the middle of the Masters thick a couple of years ago, right? And, and I walked in, and every single person was standing in this restaurant around the bar watching a TV to see what Tiger was doing. Why? Because it's Tiger. Why? Because it's the Masters. Why? Because it's what you do. It's habitual viewing. Liv might get a little bit of traction early on. They might be able to get people to come in and watch for a second. But will all of those watchers stick around? 
Is Brooks Kepka suddenly the draw that's going to make everybody hunt down content? Is Brooks Kepka the draw? Are, are five of the top 20 or 30 golfers in the world enough to make you try and find where you can stream this? I think we're giving it too much credit. And in the process of giving it too much credit, I think we're forgetting that sports viewers are habitual. And knowing they're habitual, knowing that you're used to certain things at certain times, man, I don't think it has the dent that so many others do. I want you guys to chime in. 888-SAY-ESPN-888-729-3776. Bill Richards, stay on the line. We'll get to you in a second. Bunch of you guys want to chime in. We'll let you chime in. Are you excited? Are you going to hunt down? I am not a golf guy. I will let golf guy tell me I'm wrong. Plus, our producer, Devin, is a golf guy. We'll see what he thinks of my entire thesis. 888-SAY-ESPN-888-729-3776. You get to take over the show next. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. Oh, it's Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. No, this is not a repeat. It's live. Feels Jason wrong. Fitz flying solo tonight. It is Christmas wrong. music happening now. Uh, Dev, uh, how do we feel about this? I like, don't we, feel great about it, actually. You don't feel great no. about this? Well, just his remember. idea. Let's just put I that mean, out there. At, uh, at the end of the year, you can't sing a single song that says, I wish it was Christmas every day. If you have a problem with Christmas song in June, just remember that. Triple eight, say ESPN eight 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 seven two nine three seven seven six. We're talking a little bit about live golf, and I'm asking you guys: Will you hunt it down? Are, are you going to track down a way to watch this if the big names are all over there? Because I think we're making too big of a deal of what live impact will actually have, other than from negotiation standpoints for the PGA. So let's get some of you guys uh, chiming in. Bill in Indiana, thanks for calling. Spain and Fitz, appreciate it. What do you got? What's your thought? Hey, thanks for taking my call. I, I'll tell you what, it, it, it's worse than not chasing it. I, I will actively avoid it. I mean, these guys have sold out. It completely matters where this money is coming from. You know, you talk, they, they spin this line about, you know, growing the game of golf. That is, I think, a bunch of BS. They are doing this for themselves. They are mercenaries, and they have sold out. And I will never watch a moment of it. And, frankly, I hope when it folds and the Saudis become less interested in it, that the PGA Tour doesn't doesn't let these guys come back. Or- Bill, thanks for the call. Love it. And I love the passion on it. You are answering one of the questions I have because I, I think there is a real conversation of do we, like I know what Sarah and I have said into the mic about caring about where the money comes from. I don't know that everybody feels the same way. So I love getting that, that insight. Richard in Kansas, uh, thanks for calling Spain and Fitz. What are your thoughts? Well, I'm telling you right now, uh, it's the first day of summer today, so a Christmas song I think is quite appropriate. But when it gets right down, to, they're gonna they're gonna stop spending good money after bad, and it's gonna change, and they'll be out, and then the PGA will change for the positive because of it. Well, and Richard, thanks for the call. I I think that's a big part of it. I, this this as much as we've talked about sports washing, and we will tonight talk more about sports washing washing and whether or not I think it has a real impact here there's also the side of this is a obvious negotiation play right like so at some point what the golfers are trying to do is create a different PGA so 
a bunch of guys are taking a bunch of money, and if it causes a change in the PGA, which, by the way, is already happening, uh, PGA, according to ESPN.com, we've got reports that starting next year, the fall portion of the PGA Tour schedule will include eight limited field no-cut events with $20 million purses each for the top 50 finishes in the prior season's FedEx Cup standings. Those outside the top 50 will compete in an alternate series of tournaments where they will fight to keep their cards and earn better status for the following season. Change in structure would happen in conjunction with the tour returning to a season based on the calendar year, something Golf Digest reported was being considered. The tour switched from a calendar-based schedule to wraparound back in 2013-14. So to, to the conversation of what impact this has, above and beyond will you hunt it down, and above and beyond where did the money come from, if this was created to force leverage, well, leverage has absolutely happened, right? That's already forced a change. I cannot believe how quickly the PGA is looking and saying, okay, if we need to make change, then we'll make change, which is part of what the golfers seem to want in this. Of course, they're getting paid wildly to do it. The question is, will you hunt it out? 888-SAY-ESPN-888-729-3776. Barney in Michigan, thanks for calling Spain and Fitz. What are your thoughts? What you got? Hey, first and foremost, Jason, I saw you at the intersection with the band Perry uh, probably about 15 years ago in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Love the show. Um, Thank you. But I, I'm not going to seek it out. I, You know, to me, it's one of those things where the PGA Tour is owned by its members. It's not owned by some entity. It's owned by the guys that play on the tour. And now they're signing contracts with this government where they're now employees of the government and they, they get to tell them what they're allowed to say and what they, all that other stuff. And to me, it doesn't, it's not what golf is about. I grew up playing golf. And golf is about honor. And you call penalties on yourself. Like, you're, if your ball moves, you're, you're responsible to say, yeah, my ball moved. It's a penalty. And now these guys are they're chasing the money, and the money's coming from people they shouldn't be taking it. It's, it's not like if Putin put on a, a tournament that these guys would, hey, if the money's right, I'll go play in that. That's an interesting, Barney, I appreciate the call. The honor portion of it is really genuinely interesting to me because I, I think about to, the Putin example raises a you know sports washing question about uh, having you know F1 and Grand Prix races in Russia, right? Like there are times, as we've talked about on the show, that what countries do is they align themselves with massive sporting events to try and change the way they're seen publicly. I, it's, it is interesting to me that now we've had two out of the three calls so far talking about caring about where the money comes from. And maybe that is different because it isn't a team, it's individuals, and there is a sense of pride and honor around the way golf is played. So, so far, you guys are are telling me that that portion of it does ring very true to you. I made a very strange analogy to some of you earlier about Liv and, uh, and the PGA compared to WWE and WCW. Jared in Montana, you're calling in. I know you've got a comp on this, or you've got a, a, a thought on the wrestling comp. What you got, man? Thanks for calling the show. Well, just comparing the, uh, the the comp on the wrestling is uh, would be the PBR uh, Pro Bowl rating uh, rodeo to to the PRCA. Uh, you know, Ty Murray and I think four of his buddies got together and threw a million dollars each at the PBR, and it's it's a huge success. Not the money that they're throwing at Live, but definitely a comparison, I believe. Yeah, no, you're right. And and Jared, thanks for the call. Like, I love these these comparisons are important because. One thing that that it definitely rings true for every sport fan, 
Uh, And it doesn't matter what your favorite sport is or what your favorite team is. You start to live in a bubble of that fandom for that sport. And we've seen comps of leagues trying to hire. I mean, even go back to the 80s. And I was uh, texting with uh, producer Devin, extraordinaire, uh, earlier today about, you know, football in the 80s. And when the USFL was putting huge money out to bring huge stars over, like you can bring stars over for a minute. Does that lead to sustained massive success that changes the way we watch sport? Or does it lead to a short burst that leads to a change for the league that was already in existence, which is what we saw, again, to the WWE point that I made earlier, to the NFL collective bargaining point after the USFL, and to what we've seen here. Brandon in Nevada, appreciate you calling Spain and Fitz. What do you got? Uh, I just wanted to bring up, you kind of touched on it a little bit. I just think it's funny, you know, everyone is so up in arms about the, the Saudi League and Lib. But we don't look at the NFL that way or the NBA that that same way. I think if we're going to hold people to a standard, it should be equal across all all platforms when it comes to professional sports. You know, and stick with me for a second. Don't don't leave me. Does it make a difference to you that it's individuals that are taking the money and not an, a team owner per se? No, because as an individual, you're still making money off that team owner. So in essence, you're still in it for yourself. So. Why shouldn't we look at things in the same comparison if we're going to hold these guys to an individual standard just because, in a sense, they're freelance agents and can do what they want to now because of you know, licensing and everything like that? Why should we hold them to a different standard when they're doing the same thing that other athletes do playing for you know, something like uh, the, the Washington football team or commanders, excuse me, and Dan Snyder? Yeah, no, and look, I, the reason I asked is because I think it's an interesting conversation, and you're right. Like, I have not shied away since the time we started this conversation about the awful things that obviously the NBA in China uh, that that's been reported over and over again. This has been this has hit people different, and I don't know why. I don't know the answer to that, but we'll continue to take your thoughts on a triple eight say ESPN. 888-729-3776. I want to keep getting your opinions on it because I think this is a really pressing matter, and we've been using a mic to yell at you guys for a long time on this about what we think. I want to know what you think. We'll take more of your calls. Plus, what happens next when it comes to Deshaun Watson? We'll try and answer that. Spain and Fitz hanging out with you on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. When it comes to sports, the easiest thing to love or hate is the outcome. The toughest thing sometimes to figure out is how to feel about everything else that may or may not impact it. And that's what we're dealing with on multiple stories right now across the world of sports. It's Bain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80, Jason Fitz flying solo. We're presented by Progressive Insurance, and you guys have stacked the phone lines. Uh, 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. Now, we're going to get to your calls in just a second because, frankly, we don't open the phone lines up a ton, and when we do, uh, there's a reason for it. I really wanted to get insight from golf fans about Live and the impact that Live Golf could be having to the PGA. My theory, my thesis is that we've given it all sorts of legs to come in and, you know, destroy the PGA when that seems far-fetched to me, uh, simply because the matches will be harder to find and I'm not sure people will change their viewing habits. Plus, I don't think you really grow up being a live golf fan. You grow up being a PGA fan. You grow up being a golf fan, you think Masters. You don't think live golf event in Portland. Let's be real about that. Now, 
I'm, I'm willing to be challenged on it. And I, I, we're going to get back to your calls. But I want to say quickly one thing that I know a lot of people have said about this. Well, what about? And Sarah and I talk all the time on this show about what aboutism. I think it's dangerous. I constantly call it arguing like a child. Like, you know, if I come in and say, oh, my God, why are your shoes everywhere in the entire house? You, you turning around and looking at me and say, well, you leave your clothes everywhere. That's not we're not talking like adults. Now we're talking like children. So what aboutism at times is difficult for me. That being said, I want to be clear. Nobody at ESPN, for any show that I've ever hosted, has ever sat down and told me what I can or can't say when it comes to the NBA and China. I am really smart with some things. I am the first to admit there are things that I consider myself to be fully prepared to talk to anybody about. Music is one. Most sports topics are equally in that platform. But I spend all day, every day, listening, reading, and consuming to be great at it. Am I a great person to talk to you about human rights violations in China? No. And because I don't feel like an expert on it, I don't really go there a lot. You know that. I've always been honest about that. Uh, Do we have to look at live golf with the, well, what about the NBA in China? No, I don't think they're two separate things. I I don't think one has to be forgiven because the other's being forgiven. I think we should be asking tough questions all the way across the board. How all of that plays out, I don't know. I, I, I don't know the right answer to some of this. And that's why I'm asking you guys to chime in. Now, you've been chiming in. You've been passionate about it. So we're going to keep it going. 888-ESPN-888-729-3776. Let's go to Travis in Arizona. Travis, or did we lose Travis? Devin, we had Travis. Now we lost Travis? Oh, I, I'll give you guys a little peek behind the curtain. One thing that Devin writes on the, the screen for me is a little bit of what people might be thinking about. And Travis said nobody cares about where the money comes from. I would challenge, Travis, even though you dropped off. Two of the first three callers said they'll never follow Liv because of where the money comes from. So some people do care, and I think that's important. Jay in Indiana. Jay, thanks for giving us a shout. What are your thoughts, man? Yeah, it's well, you led into it perfect. That's where the money comes from. That's where it's a certain level of hypocrisy, I think, is, you know, there's, I mean, we're talking about the commanders and everything that's going on right now with Snyder and, no one's going to stop watching the NFL, but I think a lot of the same people might be the ones that are up in arms over where the money's coming from with Liv. And I'm not saying I'm a big Liv supporter. I mean, I'll watch the players and watch the golf. It's just, it's odd. Um, I don't know. It, maybe because it's Saudi Arabia or, or where it's coming from. It's just, I don't it seems more from the the angry America stance. Maybe it just it seems pretty thick in hypocr- hypocrisy to to shun one and not the other because there's lots of transgressions in the NFL. NBA, sure, sure. Let me you ask know. you one one sure. important follow up though. I, this is uh, again a genuine question here. Will watching it change the way you feel about Saudi Arabia in any way? It won't. I mean, I'm going to watch the players. I'm going to watch DJ and Kepka and Phil and, you know, I mean, Portland, not a watershed moment, but I mean, I'm going to watch the events. So to me as a consumer, it's just created more options. And and thanks for the call, man. Like I I asked that question very intentionally because part of the concept is that what Saudi Arabia is trying to do is something called sports washing. And for anyone that's ever uh, heard that concept before, it's basically you use major sporting events 
to try and change the way the world perceives your country. So it's been used for Olympic events. It's used for global sporting events. It's been used in soccer. It's been used in F1. Devin and I went down the rabbit hole in preparing for today's show, trying to find examples where sports washing has really changed the impact and how it worked. I question whether or not this can even have that effect. And we'll talk to an expert in a few minutes about that. So uh, we'll see where it goes. Let's go to David in Hawaii. David, thank you so much for calling Spain and Fitz. What are your thoughts? Right on, man. Thanks for taking my call. So my thing, I have more of a question for you. Number one, what do you think would happen if Tiger Woods was to join this tour? And number two, if he does, does that mean we no longer have to search for it? And will it be delivered to us? Uh, Now, that's a great question. And I'll answer, number one, if Tiger goes to live, everybody watches live. That's simple. Uh, if Tiger goes to live, does live get a massive TV deal? Yeah, heck yeah. And now, does that change everything? Probably, yeah. That's the equivalent of somebody coming in and getting Tom Brady, right? Like, that. that's that's a massive, massive, and, and you're right. I have not really included that in my equation because it seems so far-fetched to me. But Tiger could do literally anything, and the world will watch it. So, yes, if Tiger goes to live, uh, that that would change everything. But to that point, Dom in Illinois Dom, thanks for for calling Spain and Fitz. Uh, I, I love your point tying into Tiger. What do you got? Well, Tiger's been going to Dubai and playing for and getting paid millions of dollars to show up for years, and you never really hear anybody say anything about that in the in the sports world. Um, now, whether or not he's interested in this other, I don't know, but uh, it just seems like it's an extension of something that's already happened. You know what I mean? Yeah, well, and Dom, I think you're totally right to that point. I don't think this comes from out of nowhere. What I question, there's a couple of important things that I I question about live. Number one, as I've made clear, I, I question whether or not it'll be easy enough to find to make a difference. Number two, if the intent is sport washing, is this going to change the way a large portion of the globe perceives Saudi Arabia? Maybe this is ignorant by me. I just have a hard time making the connection from golf to changing the world's opinion. This isn't the Olympics. It isn't massive. Like, whether or not you're big into F1, you have to step back and admit that F1 is a very global thing, right? I understand why uh, hosting an F1 event in Russia is being done or has been done in the past to change the way people perceive the country. I can totally put, I can make those yellow brick road steps lead together. I have a hard time thinking that sport washing can happen for this reason, and also because look at the target of this. Who are golfers? Who are golf fans? Golf fans as a whole are a pretty educated group. It seems to me like if what you're trying to do by hosting massive events is change the way that everybody perceives you, you would have to do that in a way that everybody doesn't realize what you're trying to accomplish. That's why I asked the question earlier of a caller, will it change the way you see Saudi Arabia? Because I think that's an important part of the question that isn't being addressed when it comes to the concept of sport washing. Look, I'm not saying that there isn't harm in this. What I'm saying is that I need more understanding to really feel like we have a grasp on whether or not this will harm the PGA, harm the golf world, and change the perception of Saudi Arabia the way so many people think that it will. ESPN Radio presented by Progressive Insurance. What do your home and auto have in common? They're yours. And Progressive protects them both. Bundle today at Progressive.com. All right. I'm not an expert on it, so we'll bring in an expert. We will talk to somebody that knows this far better than I ever could. We'll get some expertise next. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. No, oh, This is my fault, y'all. Like, I'll, I'll be the first to admit, 
It's the first day of summer and we got Christmas music rolling. It's my fault. If you're just tuning in to Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM Channel 80, I'm Jason Fitz, Flying Solo. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. And I asked the incredible team behind the scenes to give us no music post-1990. I wanted something. And one of the examples I gave was Aretha Franklin. For some reason, uh, they picked a Christmas song, which has now started celebrating Christmas for the rest of the year. Uh, I, I, this is, this Yeah. This was the Aretha song. Of all the things, so many issues with this. So we many have issues. Much in like, the system. I don't know the, what you the, want from me here, Fitz. The musician in me is dying through all of this. Uh, by the way, if you've never checked out Live at the Fillmore by Aretha Franklin, I don't care how old you are, go listen to it. It's one of the most iconic live recordings in the history of mankind. Uh, I mentioned earlier that I'm always open about the things that I need better understanding about. And sometimes when we bring guests on, it's because that's who I read to get better understanding. And we're going to do that now. Kevin Van Valkenburg joins us, ESPN senior writer. We've had Kevin on uh, on the show as we continue to break down everything uh, with Lib. And Kevin, I, I wanted to have you on because I have questions that I don't know how to answer, and I think you're smart enough to answer them. So I appreciate your time, as always. I appreciate your expertise and your patience uh, dealing with me here a little bit because I'm trying to figure out from a Live Golf standpoint. You know, I made a, a very crass analogy earlier to 80s wrestling and WCW versus WWE. Like, you can get all the stars. But if you're not easy yeah. to find, does it make a huge impact? And, and I keep looking at Liv saying they don't have a destination place for golf fans to go watch. Will it really long term, even if they're getting these golfers, if you can't find the events, know where to go and know how to hold them, can it still have that level of impact? It could certainly have a level of impact on your competitor. I think, you know, if you just keep taking away stars from the PGA Tour and that diminishes like people's interest in watching it, then I think it starts to get complicated, right? Because everything in special sports is essentially powered by television money. And so let's say various networks, including our own, are paying, you know, billions of dollars for the rights to broadcast the PGA Tour. If suddenly you've taken away the top 20, the top 30 players, it's nowhere near that now, but if that were to happen and then the ratings were to fall a point here or there, it would diminish the value of your product and it might sort of drive people elsewhere, whether it's not necessarily even golf, but other sports. How are you going to spend your leisure time in the weekends? Well, if golf's less interesting, all of a sudden you're tuning into something else. And that's where I think the PGA Tour has a little bit of a real concern. It's not so much as like more people are going to watch live than are going to watch the PGA Tour. It's that people just might start watching the PGA Tour because some of the biggest names who drive interest in the sport keep sort of trickling that way. And that's a really interesting point that I hadn't hadn't thought of, Kevin. And so then I look at Liv and I think, you know, from a short-term standpoint, you sign as many big stars as you can, but long-term you'd have to develop stars. I mean, is there any sense of, of Liv having a long-term plan at this point? Well, they've said, you know, privately that they're sort of open to spending something in the neighborhood of like $2 billion over the next four years. They're sort of on a four- or five-year plan, although Greg Norman, the CEO, uh, says that they're going to be around for 10, 20 years, that this is, they're here to stay. I think what's complicated is, is that you just never really know the interest, the long-term interests of the kingdom of Saudi Arabia in funding this, because for the way the live is set up now, they're not in any way, shape or form meant to turn a profit. It is only really for PR purposes to make you feel better about the Saudi government, the Saudi sort of investment in the future. And so, you know, if there's a the wind kind of blows and changes one day, then and uh, you know 
someone high, in high levels of government in Saudi Arabia decides, you know what, why are we spending so much on this golf league? Why don't we put that money into horse racing? Why don't we put more money into F1? Why don't we buy another Premier League soccer team? That's where you could see the swift kind of end out of nowhere being like, yeah, because it's not exactly set up to be a profitable enterprise. But no one really knows if, if you know, someone might have given Greg Norman, okay, you have a 10-year lease on this. Figure out how to do the best you can, and we'll go from there. We're talking to Kevin Van Valkenburg on Spain and Fitz. Jason Fitz flying solo. If you don't follow Kevin on Twitter, you should. He's been doing great writing on this. I'm going to ask you a very basic, very crass question. Again, crass for me. Uh, that, that people say all the time because I need a great answer to it. I don't know it. Sure. When somebody okay. says, how is this any different than the NBA in China, your response would be? My basic response would be that this is a the sole purpose of Live Golf is to essentially sports wash. There's no really other purpose here, right? The, the NBA in China is not doing it directly to make you feel better about the Chinese government. Their, their Chinese government isn't sort of saying, hey, we're going to invest in the NBA because we want to improve our world image. They're saying, hey, you know, we want to sort of have, have people who are, have a ton of interest in basketball. There isn't really any other point in this golf league other than to essentially improve the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia's reputation after they fell out of favor in various reasons in the world stage, in part because of the murder of Jamal Khashoggi. I think it's always, and when that kind of comes up, but what about China? It's important to say, okay, let's have that conversation too. Maybe there should be a discussion about whether the NBA should be long-term interest in China. Because I don't think that often those people want to have that discussion. Really, they just want to sort of level the playing field so that all moral choices are the same. And I don't really, like everyone can make their own decisions in their own life, but I don't think it's particularly wise to view the, the universe and, and the global stage as everything goes, there are no choices. The things can be different levels of bad. Which is why you're smarter than I am, by the way. That was a wonderfully articulated <laughs> answer, Kevin. And, uh, you know, the other part of it is you mentioned sports washing. I, I give a lot of benefit of the doubt to golf fans as being particularly smart. In fact, many of the callers tonight have said they'll never follow Liv because of where the money comes from. Can golf itself be used to sports wash uh, when the average golfer and the golf audience is smart enough to see that that's what's trying to happen? I think that... You know, as much as there has been a lot of opposition to it, there's also been a lot of people saying, I don't care. It's all hypocrisy. How dare you? So, I mean, I think that that debate is at least healthy to at least that, you know, no one can kind of go into this with their eyes closed and say, I don't care. I don't know. At least that's sort of, you know, the job of journalists to be like, hey, these are the facts. These are the people who are directly affected by this, whether it's People, you know, in some of my stories, I've talked to actual, you know, relatives of people who've, who've been tortured, who've been imprisoned, you know, because they sort of spoke up for causes as simple as like wanting women to be able to drive. And so every time you hear Greg Norman say, like, you know, I've, I've seen so much progress in Saudi Arabia, there's women there in restaurants and stuff. Greg Norman's not actually talking to any of those women in restaurants. And so it's important to kind of point out that a lot of this is a sort of sheen to like make the country Saudi Arabia look better. But, you know, as long as like people make their own choices when informed, I don't really care what way they choose. I can't sort of tell someone, hey, you're a golf fan, you shouldn't like Phil Mickelson anymore. But at least I can sort of say, this is what's going on behind the scenes. This is where the money is sort of coming from. And this is why it's 
you being you asked to be used this way. And then you kind of make up your own choice. And I think that, you know, golf fans, there's some of them that are sophisticated. There's some of them who are very, very adamant about not wanting to be involved with this, but there's a lot of people who just feel like, ah, I don't care. This is no different than a hundred different things. And so I think what, what Saudi Arabia sort of sees is not so much like fans who are being interested, but like business investment. So if you're like a CEO who likes to play golf and you've been thinking, yeah, you know, I think I'd like to invest some of this hedge fund money that I have in the growth of this new city in Saudi Arabia. That's kind of more what they're interested in rather than like Joe fan caring about Brooks Kepka or Phil Mickelson competing in a tournament in Portland. That's why you're the best, man. I really appreciate your honest answers and making me smarter. You make me better at my job every single time we have you on. Follow him on Twitter at K Van Valkenberg. Kevin, thank you so much for the time. You betcha. And play some Otis Redding, too, tonight. No oh, my God, yes. If you're going to play Aretha, uh, that's, what I, that's my uh, contribution to the Discord series. Get some Otis on there. I mean, that may be the best part of the, the entire day. Kevin, thanks for hanging out with us. We will get some Otis Redding uh, coming at you. We will continue to take your thoughts on it because you guys are so fired up. But there was big breaking news today when it comes to Deshaun Watson that also raises some difficult questions for the NFL and how they'll respond. We'll examine it next. Spain and Fitz hanging out with you on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Spain and Fitz, the podcast. Oh, what are we doing? Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Jason Fitz flying solo because Sarah would never allow this. All right. Kevin Van Valkenburg asked us for Otis Redding. Oh, that's better. Oh, I'm telling you. I'm telling you. You want to live the dream. You know, I got two guys working behind the scenes here, Devin and Chris, doing doing God's work. They work hard. Uh, they're they're back there. You know, they're younger guys. I'm telling you guys, you go out there, you get yourself a nice bottle of something, and uh, you make your significant other a little meal. You put on Otis Redding's Greatest Hits. Turn the lights down a little bit. It's going to set a mood. I'm here to help you. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. I've now made all of America uncomfortable. Tune into the ESPN Daily Podcast. Gets you a deep dive into a single story from one of ESPN's hundreds of reporters. Presented by Supercuts. Download, subscribe, and review ESPN Daily. Available wherever you enjoy your podcast. I'll be real with you. When Devin and I started figuring out how to map out tonight's show, we said, let's bring the concept of ESPN Daily to an interactive audience. Let's let you guys chime in and help us figure out what you care about. And that's important on a night like tonight because the, the, the two biggest topics in sports today that we're talking about all over the place are un, uh, undeniably uh, one, live golf, which we've been talking about. We'll take more of your calls in a few minutes. Triple eight, say ESPN, 888-729-3776. That was one of the topics. The other was the breaking news for Deshaun Watson. And uh, attorney, uh, attorney Tony Busby represents all of the women who have accused Watson of sexual assault and inappropriate behavior, uh, said that there are four cases that have not remained settled. 20 of the 24 lawsuits against uh, quarterback Deshaun Watson have now been settled. The quote, we are working through the paperwork related to those settlements. Once we've done so, those predictable ca- particular cases will be dismissed. The terms and amounts of these settlements are confidential. Now everybody has to figure out what to do with that information because that's all the information we're going to get. Now, I hate speculation. I am not that. I am such a I I live by this phrase all the time. It irritates many people in my life. As I constantly say, look, it's easiest to drive when you stay in your own lane. I don't really care. Like I could walk outside and there could be 13 trucks in my neighbor's lawn 
and they're doing something to the house and I don't even care. Like I don't I don't I don't look at it. I don't wonder about it. I don't shrug. I just I'm like, "All right, I'm good. I'm good." I got a friend uh, a couple of days ago that sent a group text out and said, "Man, worried I might be getting fired." You know, everybody uh thoughts and prayers, right? And immediately there's a side thread going. It's like, "Oh, I wonder if this happened to this." I don't care. I deal with the information I get. I don't deal with speculation. And the hardest part about situations like settlements of lawsuits is that the information that we have is just that, a settlement. Yeah, we have depositions. We have some understanding from what both sides have said, but we haven't gone through a a full civil legal process. So now what we have is Deshaun Watson being able to say, hey, 20 of the 24. It's important to note four suits have not been settled yet. We don't know if that's because they won't be settled or because they're still negotiating. We just don't know that right now. But we know that Deshaun Watson can now look around and say, okay, 20 of the 24, I can say, that's done. Let's move forward. Even for the uh, the accusers in this situation, for 20 of the 24 of them, they were in a civil lawsuit situation, right? So what are you looking for in a civil lawsuit? You're looking for the truth to come out, and you're looking to be rewarded damages, right? We all know the criminal side of this went uh, one way. So now the, the civil side of this becomes a, you know, what are you looking for? You're looking for the truth to come out. And you're looking for you know some sort of a payout, right? Like not, I shouldn't say a payout. Let me rephrase that before anybody gets mad. You're looking for the truth to come out, and you're looking for punitive damages. Say it that way, right? So what you've got here are a bunch of people that said rather than go through a very public ordeal where you are dragged through the mud, here's an amount of money. Anybody that's ever been involved in a lawsuit, you know that there are points where guilty or innocent settlement becomes part of the conversation. So for the accusers in this situation, you get to avoid all of the things that will come with the trial. And you get to know that, hey, at the end of the day, I still got the punitive damages. Right? So you start thinking about all of those steps and maybe it's easy to move forward. But is it? Depends on what we care about. I said it earlier. I'll say it again. Thank God Deshaun Watson is not the quarterback of my beloved Raiders. Because it would be hard. It'd be hard to look at that. Like, I understand Browns fans want to have just absolute joy right now. Why wouldn't she? You got one of the best young quarterbacks in the league. Right? You want to have absolute joy. But this is the sort of, yeah, but that never goes away. I think the Kobe comparison that one of the callers tweeted me about earlier is, is a fair and reasonable one. There's certain things that just become ingrained in the story. And whether or not you think that, hey, he just wanted this to go away, doesn't change the fact that at least 66 women were identified over 17 months that he received massages from. At least 66. That's just, it's hard to negotiate in your mind. But maybe we don't care. Maybe we just care about winning football games. And I get that. Man, that's the thing that I always tell you guys. I'll say... Until I'm out of breath, until I'm blue in the face. I do what I do every single day because of my sports fandom. I genuinely don't think anybody in sports media understands everybody listening right now better than I do. Because it came up on my memories the other day. It was just a few years ago that I was sitting on a tour bus listening to ESPN. Now I get to sit in front of a mic and talk to everybody. I get the fandom. I actually understand it. I hear you. I know what it feels like to wake up every Sunday and think, man, I just don't even want to turn on the pregame show because all they're going to do is mock my favorite team. 
I know what it feels like to avoid all sports content entirely for Monday and Tuesday because you're still gutted for what happened on Sunday. We used to do a segment early in the morning when uh, Devin and I were together on uh, First and Last. We used to do a segment uh, where we did Walk of Shame, where you could call in and just get it off your chest on Monday mornings because it hurts so much from Sunday. I know that feeling. We should bring that back. We should, Dev. Like, we should football bring that season? back. 100%. Like football season? Yeah. I mean, I, I think, you know, Devin's a Giants fan. I'm a Raiders fan. We know what it's like to watch your team every week and just want hope. Deshaun Watson was supposed to be hope for somebody. But the circumstances around it make it impossible to just sit back and have hope. John in South Carolina. John, thanks for calling Spain and Fitz. What do you got? Thanks for calling the show. Yeah, Fitz, uh, thanks for taking my call. I just had a question for you that with the tw- with the 20 uh, settlements, is this saying that he is guilty of these, these things and that he said, I'm here to clear my name? And number two, do you think the settlement says, hey, here, here's the settlement and you got to keep your mouth shut and you can't, you can't say anything and make, make money off of it from some other organization or, or newscast or anything? Yeah, well, and thanks for the call. I'll say this. I've personally never seen a settlement offer that didn't include some sort of you're not allowed to talk about it. So I, I don't think we're ever going to get any real information. Uh, no, the amount of money that has been doled out uh, obviously has to mean something in this process, right? And uh, Vic Tafer, who I, you know, I followed that covers the Raiders for The Athletic, tweeted out earlier, Deshaun Watson said he wouldn't settle so he could clear his name. He wrote large checks to 20 alleged sexual assault victims today. NFL happy because he's closer to throwing touchdown passes. Again, Brown's happy. They gave him largest guaranteed de- deal ever to help write those checks. And then the little vomit emoji. I think there's some truth to that. Like anybody in a settlement will always tell you that nobody's admitting guilt. Like that's step number one. I'm not, I'm not admitting guilt. It was just easier to get this to go away so that we can move along with our lives. That's what they're going to say. You know, and, and what we choose to believe, that's going to be predicated on your fandom. That's just being real. If you are a Browns fan and you are just desperate to watch your team win, you're going to negotiate this because what other choice do you have? Like, you're not going to just hang up your jersey and stop rooting for the team. But if you're the fan of any of the other teams in the NFL, you're going to look around and say, Aha, oh, that guy. That's the inevitability that will follow Deshaun Watson for the rest of his career, no matter what he does. And today, obviously, everybody that got a check in some capacity won because they got punitive damages. And Deshaun Watson weirdly in some capacity wins because all of it stays private and he can begin to move forward. Even the NFL, the NFL can say, finally, now we can start to assess whatever our punishment's going to be. And ultimately to the point everybody's made, he's one step closer to getting on the field for the Browns. So in a strange way, the Browns won. And I look at all these winners and all I can think is man, but any of us that really wanted to know the full scope of the truth and wanted to see real accountability for either side, no matter what you believe, we all lost. We're going to keep taking your calls. 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. You guys are fired up about Live Golf. I'm going to tell you honestly, Freddie uh, and Fitz, their people came in and said, what are you guys talking about that so many people want to chime in? So we'll let you guys get back in. 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. Do you care where the money comes from? Are you following it? Plus, why is KD constantly tweeting all of my coworkers? We'll figure it out next. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio. Spain and Fitz, the podcast.
Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. Jason Fitz flying solo. We're presented by Progressive Insurance. I can guarantee you, by the way, that Freddie and Fitzsimmons will have no Christmas music. I feel very confident in that guarantee. Freddie, Freddie's chef's kiss, by the way. Not only is Freddie Coleman one of the nicest people at ESPN, not only is he one of the best hosts at ESPN, he also has great taste in music. So it's always spot on on that show. Uh, he, he does it with class, unlike me. Uh, in, in the meantime, we've been getting your thoughts. 888-SAY-ESPN, 888-729-3776. On the heels of Brooks Kepka deciding to leave for the PGA Tour and join the Live Series, it's really raised a question to me about, do you guys care? Like, are you going to hunt it down? Or if, if you love these golfers, if you're a golf fan, you're going to go watch it no matter where it is? Do you care where the money's come from? And we've actually had a pretty good amount of you, surprisingly to me, say you do care where the money comes from. I, I, maybe I'm too cynical in my old age. A lot of I figured a lot of people would just say, no, don't really care about the money. I see what they're trying to do. Don't care. Just going to watch. But that hasn't been the case. Jack in Denver, thanks for calling Spain and Fitz. Uh, appreciate your time. What do you got? Jason, thanks for taking my call, man. Big fan of the show. Big fan of yours. You're an inspiration. I'm trying to flip my career to cover sports. So, so I got nice. my Now, about live. So one thing I don't think a lot of people realize, Newcastle was just taken over by the same investment fund that's funding the Live Tour out of Saudi Arabia. And in the Premier League, you know, you don't have the luxury with these teams that have such deep-rooted fan bases. They're not just going to throw in the towel on Newcastle, right? But with golf and individual sport, we have the luxury to follow players. You know, Tiger performs one weekend, fill the next. We kind of go with the players. So I do think to the question of, does it matter, team sport versus individual? I think absolutely. Team sports, you don't have the luxury to just give up on your team. Individual sports, you can kind of let your ethics and morality guide your compass a little bit more. So just want to weigh in on that. I appreciate the call. Keep doing your thing, man. Big fan of the show. Oh, dude, thanks for the call. And, uh, you know, DM me on Twitter. My DMs are open. If I can ever help people make that flip, I, it took a lot of people to help me. So never hesitate. You make a great point. Uh, and I think it comes back to a little bit of what we were just talking about with Deshaun Watson and the Browns. Like when you are dug in on a team, like that's ingrained in your blood. You, you don't change who you root for. How many of us wish we could at some point? It's just part of who you are. So the thought of suddenly turning around and realizing that, your favorite team is now owned by the same problematic investors. I don't know what I would do as a Raiders fan. Like I would love to sit. Like it's super easy for everybody to tell you where they should or shouldn't take money. I tell you, if somebody offered me one hundred and fifty million dollars and they weren't particularly good people, they were terrible people, I'd probably still take it, y'all. Like I don't have the moral compass that many of you guys do when it comes to it. We're all just different on that. Uh, Greg in Colorado, thanks for calling the show. Thanks for chiming in. What you got? So I'm a long-time golf guy, watch watch it, and I think it's become really stale on network television, and they've crammed so many commercials. It makes it hard to stick to a golf pro, uh, program. What if uh, Liv were to have a pay-per-view channel without commercials in a more contemporary format opposite CBS or NBC? I think I'd be flipping that's interesting, Greg. I appreciate the call. I think you would find – and look, we all sort of live in the bubble of what we live in, right? So I, my bubble says that you're in the minority on it. And the best example I'll use for that is fights, UFC, boxing, or even to go back to the, uh, to go back to the wrestling analogy that I used uh, earlier, like AEW, uh, a wrestling federation. I've done some backstage work for them with ESPN. 
really love it. But like you know, when AEW puts on a pay per view, boy, it takes a lot of lot of uh, fans to try and get to, to get that to get traction. I'm not sure how much traction it actually has. It's an interesting concept, and it's what all of us are banking on when it comes to on-demand content, right? Like, we live in a world now where there's going to be, for anyone that hasn't tracked this, like, Thursday night football is going to be exclusively on Amazon Prime. Like, if unless you live in the local market, if you're a Raiders fan and you don't live in Vegas and they play on Thursday night football, your only way to watch it is going to be Amazon Prime. People are going to watch it, right? If you love college football, well, there are going to be games this year specifically in the SEC that are only available on ESPN+. Plus, Right? So in a streaming world, maybe they can just dedicate their own app, their own resources, and everyone will flock to it. I, I don't know the answer to that, but it would be an interesting process. I think generationally, too, as time goes on. I'm left to wonder if there would be more, you know, the younger generation would flock to it even more. We've had a little bit of fun today uh, on, on social media. I want to go ahead and give a shout out here to this uh, Spain and Fitz, Jason Fitz, Flying Solo. I, I tweeted this out earlier. Crypto's come crashing down. Several, several athletes have lost millions of bonuses they converted. So I wanted to know what's the thing you were sure was going to be huge that didn't materialize a movie, a band, an investment, a food, pop culture trend. Uh, the big one that everybody today has been talking about, obviously, Trevor Lawrence out there has lost a lot of his bonus money, over 60% of it uh, gone. We got some really creative uh, responses to that uh, in general. Uh, Shelby came out and responded with what I believe are Dippin' Dots. So, But I think Dippin' Dots, Devin, correct me if I'm wrong, Dippin' Dots, super, uh, super successful, weren't they? I mean, I, mean, I feel I- like... The cookies and cream dipping dots. I I can I can go for those right now. Yeah, I think that, I think well. that's. I, I think she might be wrong on that. Should Ryan be. said multiple degrees in liberal arts. That was maybe my more uh, creative response to that. Uh, good for you for for getting multiple degrees. Bad for you for banking on liberal arts. Uh, and then we got uh, Tech Law eighty two said if your name isn't Charlie Daniels or Jason Fitz, being a fiddle player in a country band. I thought it would be cool. Turns out I was barely cooler than the bass player. Let's not get it twisted. I was never cooler than the bass player at all. Never cool. And drummers have it made. Like, drummers are by far the coolest. So, uh, But I think my favorite response we got to this, and, and credit to the usage of the GIF on it, came from at G. Bralta. Uh, well done there, too. It said, I bought a ton of Party City stock when I thought the pandemic was going to be over by fall of 2020 along with the gif of a person putting on clown makeup. I, I like that one. Devin, did you have something that you thought was going to blow up and, and you missed? No, I mean, my parents back in the day um, would save, you know, all the McDonald's toys or, you know, whatever mm. fast food toys in, in the hopes of it blowing up. And I also remember, um, I think, I can't remember what Star Wars movie it was, but it might have been, whatever, it doesn't matter. There was, uh, Pepsi put out a promotional, like, Yoda can that if you got it, you could redeem it for $50. My dad oh. kept my dad kept that for like thirty years. It was starting to like bulge out of the of the can, and now we looked it up. It's worth nothing. So no, see that's like a lot of people did that with Beanie Babies and stuff like that, you know. And like I have always had this weird thought because you know we didn't we didn't keep anything, and now as I. Uh, I'm older. I, I like to go back and buy all the toys that I, I wanted or had as a kid, but I never buy them in the box. Like I always want the one that's like beat up because to me, I don't want a toy that sits in a box. Like I want a toy that actually sits out and has value. So I'm kind of the worst when it comes to understanding collectible value to almost any of this do you, stuff. Because, do you like the like, show? Do you like the show Antiques Roadshow? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To me, it's just random. But like it, this reminds me of that. I love that show, man. 
Yeah, well, I'm the I'm the guy that like I got this Funko uh, a couple of years ago that was a Transformers and it was a collectible. I guess they only made like a thousand of them or whatever. And I'm at a, like a trade show and I buy it and I immediately rip it out of the box, throw the box in the trash. And you would have thought by the look on everybody's face that I had just insulted everybody's mom, like all the way across the board. Uh, in the meantime, one thing I know is that KD has been tweeting all of my coworkers. He's not K. He hasn't tweeted me yet. Like I haven't gotten to that level. He did tweet Chris Carlin, and I'm pretty sure. He's going to be hanging out with Freddie and Fitzsimmons tonight. So, you know, you don't want to miss that. You'll hear all about the drama of KD. I cannot tell you guys enough how amazing tonight has been for me because you've been so interactive. And I feel like through this process, I've had a better understanding. So for everybody that came on to help me get a better understanding of the Deshaun Watson situation and the Live Golf situation, I cannot thank them enough. Freddie and Fitzsimmons coming up next. KD joining them for a full hour. You do not want to miss it. Spain and Fitz on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Thanks for listening to the Spain and Fitz podcast. You can listen to the show weeknights at 7 Eastern on ESPN Radio and on the ESPN app.